you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy on now at APCO. <laughs> You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. Uh, that's a little bit better. Uh, you always feel extra special when they don't even put your opener in the system and they still have the old Trail Town team up there who did finish off last week after a fantastic season, sen.com.au, uh, if you wanted to relive any uh, of what the Trail Towns team got up to. Uh, this is the Sporting Capital. Sam Hargraves is my name. The number to call the Harcourt's open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 You can text in at any time on the 40 Wings temper text, 0433 The uh, Sporting Capital now uh, till 11 o'clock tonight. So heaps to get through, heaps that I'm looking forward to having a chat to you about. Uh, and a massive show lined up. I'll introduce our first guest in just a moment. But coming up over the next two hours, Darren Chuck Berry will review... England's uh, T20 World Cup triumph last night at the MCG. To the sporting capital with Sam Hargraves. This is Honestly. going well, isn't it? <laughs> that just played off itself. I didn't even press anything and that played off. Anyway, in case you didn't hear it the first time, uh, this is the sporting capital with Sam Hargraves. What is happening today? Um, let's make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, as I was saying... <laughs> it's a cracking start. Um, so Chuck Berry is going to join us. We'll talk about the T20 World Cup. What a success that it was, even uh, if it was anything but that for the Australian side. Um, NBA writer and NBA draft expert, NBA expert for the Athletic, their senior writer, Sam Vecini, is going to join me. And we'll just have a little chat about how things are shaping up uh, in the early stages of this NBA season. Josh Giddy created a bit of history today, which we will speak about. Um, Taliqua Clancy, uh, a part of uh, one half of uh, a dominant uh, Australian beach volleyball side ahead of uh, Beach Volley Fest um, that's happening at the Great Ocean Road, coming up later down at the Great Ocean Road in Torquay, uh, coming up later this month. So we're looking forward to catching up with Taliqua Clancy. And we'll speak to NFL journalist Bobby Thompson. Uh, massive day in the NFL. And we're about halfway through the season, so looking forward to getting his thoughts. He'll get up nice and early in Florida to have a chat to us a little later in the show. But before we do any of that, um, don't forget to, on a Monday night, heroes, villains, you can put your nominations in. Who are your heroes of the weekend in sport? Who were the villains this weekend in sport? one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourts open line. You'll move your Harcourts. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. For all things sport, speak to me. Or you can text your heroes and villains in 0433 Great to have this man back. Uh, we're going to be catching up with him as regular as we possibly can. Um, you may have remembered uh, Josh Hill from such hits as uh, 66 games and 75 goals for the Western Bulldogs, 107 games and 151 goals uh, for the West Coast Eagles, uh, a star as a player and uh, an even bigger star as a human being, uh, Josh Carter. He's been good enough to come in. You'd remember him from his playing days, Josh Hill. Josh, hello, mate. G'day, Sammy. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on tonight. And um, yeah, it's it's all going well, isn't it? We've had a great start and, yeah, really looking forward to the show tonight and a lot to, lot to talk about. Um, I want to pick your brain, uh, given that we're a couple of weeks out from the draft mm -hmm. and what that time was uh, for you as a young lad growing up in Subiaco. We'll talk a bit about that. But there's a bit happening um, at the moment mm -hmm. and 
we um, we are going to make a time to get your view on, yep. I suppose, what's going on and what's been said to have been going on and what's going to unfold in relation to Hawthorne and, and how... Uh, Indigenous players were, were treated and where the inquiry finds itself now. Um, we're going to put a bit more time into that yep. uh, and make sure we do that properly and get your view. But um, there's a fair bit happening um, in footy at the moment that I was keen to get your, your views on. Um, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, coming back to Essendon, how, um, when you read that, what was the first thing that jumped into your mind? Uh, probably the first thing is... You know what? That's that's a great decision of him to to want to finish off his career with the with the team he started his career with, and and for Essendon, it's a great, um, I think, choice to have him stay under this club. I mean, you go to to a football game, and especially when you go and watch Essendon Football Club, who's one player you'd love to watch and play? You know, I go out there, and everybody loves watching Walla the way he puts that pressure on, and, and he kicks those magical those magical goals. Sorry, he's just a magnificent magnificent player. I'm, I'm all over the shop right now, but. <laughs> The way he plays, it, it's, it, it reminds you of, you know, the Cyrils when he's up and about, the, mm. uh, the other players that are electrifying and in terms of the way they put the pressure on. And he's, he's a leader in, the, in his own way. He doesn't provide the voice, uh, the structures and all that. He just he puts that pressure on it and he, he puts fear in, in defenders' mindsets. You know? When they get the ball in, in their back half, you never know where he's going to come from. And that's what, what, what draws the uh, attention from the crowd and the supporters to come to games and want to watch him play. Uh, incredible story he's, though, isn't it? Um, coming from uh, Tiwi... And then relocating, uh, adopted um, by um, his adopted mother, Jane, um, the role she played in, in his journey, um, getting to, you know, coming from Tiwi where um, English didn't come naturally and barely spoke it to then going into a school system and then a football system and Gippsland Power, mm-hmm. Essendon Reserves. I can remember, I think, he, when he was playing for the Bendigo Bombers yeah. um, in the VFL at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then to have got to where he's gotten in football, um, yeah, it is, it's a, it is a wonderful story. It is. It's a great, uh, a great view on his, you know, his personality and his mindset that he's been through so many challenges individually and to overcome all those things and still reach his goal of, of wanting to play AFL and, and, you know, still to continue this day, lead as, as a a young leader and, and a role model to kids growing up wanting to be, you know, in his footsteps and, and following in the way he's gone about his path. I mean, we've all had challenges in lives, but none can uh, go through as much as he has, as you've said, you know, to, to overstep the, the the challenges he's done through, go over those hurdles and, and be able to succeed in the way he has just shows so much about his test of character and, and he, his mindset as a leader as well. I don't think there was a footy fan that wasn't quite saddened when he announced his retirement earlier this year. And they just weren't the same. I mean, we know that statistically the issues that Essendon had with kicking goals this year, they had uh, far greater issues than that um, throughout the course of the year. Um, But I don't think there was a footy fan that wouldn't have been saddened by the fact that he wasn't going to be out there because, as you say, he's a player that you go to see. For, for that, for that, because you, you you get the feeling that there might be a moment, and when he you could see him coming and make a beeline for the ball or the body, mm-hmm. he was one of those players that I think people just inched forward in the seat a little. Yeah, he's he's one of those players that like any small forward, you know, you don't have to get all the all the goals. Like we see Charlie Cameron, you know, he doesn't get many touches, but when he does get the ball, he makes something happen. And we know with Wallow that. He doesn't have to get the ball as well. He mm. just chases and tackles. And that's what Bombers, you know, tend to drive off. His he's, uh, impact that he drives with his pressure, his, his work rate around the grounds. He, he just, he's a, he's a fearful player in the way he goes about his business on the field. He, he throws his body in when he needs to. He'll put the pressure on and, 
And when he does kick those goals, those are the moments that kids talk about, you know, like how about that goal from, from Tip and Woody? It was amazing. I'm trying to think in my mind how long that streak went for that whenever he kicked a goal less than one. Yeah. That's, 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 that's a great stat. That's the definition we, <laughs> of influence, isn't it? I it mean, you, that's, when you have that kind of influence, when you've got that kind of run going, yep. that was a lot of fun, that run. So him coming back, um, I asked you how you felt when you heard that he was what, what we all agree was, you know, mm. hanging the boots up too soon. What was your first uh, emotion when you heard that he was coming back? I think pride in a way. Like I'm really proud that he's he's made that choice, not just for the Aboriginal culture, but himself personally, knowing that he's still got more to give. And that's what you should think in your mindset. If you, you know you've got enough to give that your body is telling you to give it up, then you'd, you'd obviously follow your mindset. But him in his own mind thinking that he's still got so much more to give, and we know he can because he still has his his presence around in, in the game, which we've said, and and he's he's a draw card you know people love to come mm. to games and watch him and as an as a Essendon supporter you'd go to the Essendon football club and want to buy his guernsey and want to go to games and watch him play because as i said he's he's a massive influence on the game the way he goes about it but it's it's a sad loss to, to when he did announce his retirement yeah to, now change and turn that around. I think it's a great uh, asset as well for Essendon after all the dramas and everything they've been through as well. The um, It is a good news story, isn't it? And the other good news story from an Essendon point of view, um, and, and part of um, the, the great thing about going to have you on is that we, you, you give us, we're going to have the ability to speak about just general footy issues, but also talk about the, the, the issues and, and the stories in and around Indigenous, Indigenous players in the game. Yep. And representation and, and, and all those things, um, which we're lo- looking forward to doing. So the other really big story since we last spoke would have been the fact that um, Essendon have uh, appointed their first ever Indigenous board member in 100 Gamer for the club, Dean Rioli. Yep. How big a moment is that? When, when you look around the league in terms, and we talk about representation, when you look at boards, um, uh, Collingwood, um, and I've, uh, apologies because I had her name written down and I can't find where I wrote it, um, and I'll get it up in just a moment. Mm. But there's not many boards that, that can say what Collingwood and now Essendon, and I'd have to go through all the other boards just to make sure. Yep. Um, but how big a moment is that? Oh, look, to have have a past player of Dean Rioli's calibre, I mean, to come back and, and know that you've got a player or a past player at the club driving the standards off field is is amazing for for not just you know Aboriginal players but non-Indigenous players as well to know that this player has done so much for the game the way it's been through its ups and downs but he he was there you know through the hard times the the tough times before the after the Michael Long issues and all that but then to be there and and see the way that the club's adapted and, and grown throughout having the the Dreamtime game and you know the Anzac game it's it's a credit to the club to have him come into the club and and take on that. Um, that role is on the board and and knowing his influence is going to be a huge advantage towards, you know, the the influence of players' mindsets, and especially Indigenous players as well. He's also going to act as the, as chair of the Bombers National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island Advisory Council. Um, Essendon's got such a um, an important history mm. with the promotion of Indigenous players uh, through the game. Obviously, the Dreamtime game is the brainchild of, of Kevin Sheedy. Mm. Um and and early days, and for a long time, Essendon was was really a destination club for Indigenous players um, because of a lot of the work that ahead of its time almost that that Kevin Sheedy and others did in the space. Michael Long did in the space, recognising that there's that there is a um, there's a, a need to make sure that you are as set up as well as you can be. Yep. Um, 
that's one of the first things that Dean Rioli mentioned, that he wants to become a destination club for Indigenous yep. players again. So the whole idea of um, if you're – we're about to go into a draft. So just hearing mm. that and, – and obviously you don't speak on behalf of and not every yep. uh, Indigenous player is going to feel the same thing, but how big an impact do you think that will have on, on young draftees when they're thinking, oh, where do I want to end up? Mm. The idea of the fact that whether it be Jody Sizer at Collingwood um, or, or Dean Rioli at Essendon, mm. um, do you feel like that'll have an impact on those clubs being destination clubs for Indigenous players or where they'd hope to get drafted to? Oh, look, and why? It definitely helps uh, a young player's mindset as well. Like it puts them at ease a bit knowing that you've got that support off field. And I, I was always under the, the decision that if you can – help a player's mindset, you're going to get better results on field. Because if you can look after their mindsets off field, take away the dramas, the, the issues, whatever they're going through, that if they come to the, the football club or come to a game with a fresh mindset, knowing they've got the support to deal with mm. away from the footy club, you're going to get the best player you can get. You know, you'll get the results that you need from a player. They'll play their role. No issues. But if you go to a, a club where you, you're lacking that support of a player, not knowing where they can reach out to talk to somebody like a, a Dean Rioli at your football club, then it's going to... Mm. It's going to show huge uh, influences on, on the way that they go about their business on the field. And um, I think for, for Essendon, it's, it's, it's huge that they can have that, but it doesn't just stop there. Every AFL club needs to have an AFL Indigenous liaison because it's, it's as I talked about, I've, I've gone from the Bulldogs where you've had not much support, then you go to West Coast where you've had Phil Narkles, you've had the Dave Wirrapundas around the club that you can reach out and, and find that support that you need if, if you need that. And do you feel like that was um, purely just because one club cared more or was it just because of the natural path of time that by the time you got to West Coast, clubs realised a bit more? Uh, look, I can't really comment towards the club's uh, roles, but it, it definitely helped me personally as a player knowing that I had that support. To go mm. to a person like Phil Narco at a football club helped me with my mindset and put yep. my mindset at ease knowing that... He's there to support me if ever I need. He's going to be a, a voice if I need to talk to the, the coaching staff, the board members, that if there's a family or sorry business where you go to a funeral, he can be that voice for me, knowing that I'm still a young player trying to earn the respect of my teammates and the clo- coaching staff and, and, and the supporters, that if there's any issues, he's there to support me. You know, not having to put my uh, personal things in public, that's that's the kind of support you needed for a, for a young player, not just even Indigenous players, but knowing that mm. every club now, I know that they have a, a health and wellbeing officer to go and talk to, like a sports psych. Mm. So my advice would be to players these days is if that op- option is there and if you've got any issues, you've got to reach out and get your mindset at ease as quick as possible. Well, and as what Wayne Schwoss would say is even if you don't, you should still speak to someone. He likens it always to the car. You, you do your regular servicing on your car um, so that when – if so, one, to avoid things going wrong, uh, but two, if you leave it until something's wrong with your car, it's going to be much harder to fix. Yep. And he makes that analogy when it comes to our mental health. If we only ever do something when something's wrong, mm. then it's going to be much harder. But if you've been maintaining yep. and getting regular servicing, yep. so that's what the what footy clubs are able to provide. And, and as you say, not just if for an Indigenous player, but – if you feel like you have support and someone who understands your background, whatever it may be, mm. I'd imagine that feeling comfortable and safe comes absolutely with, with all of that, no matter your, your background or walk of life or your circumstances. Yep. Um, so how important, especially in this draft period, because a lot of what goes on 
with the draft, and we'll get you to speak about this on the other side of the break, mm. but we hear a lot about the draft, about the questions that clubs ask of the players in the lead-up to this, in the interviews, and what, um, you know, what would you do if this? What would you do in this circumstance? I'm wondering, um, and I'll get you to answer this on the other side, is do, do you do, as draftees, potentially, do you get to ask questions of, well, what are you going to do about this? And what about, how would you, does that happen? <laughs> oh, look, do you want to talk about it now or after the break? We'll talk, about it after the break. <laughs> we'll talk about it after the break. We'll talk about it after the break. Josh Carter's with us um, speaking. We're going to chat on the other side about the process between now and, and getting drafted. If you've got a question, if, you've got a, um, if you'd like to chime in, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 on the Harcourt's open line or you can text in on the 40 Winks Temper Tech 0433 Consumer Choice Winner Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Uh, Darren Berry's going to join me after 9.30. We'll go through last night's triumph uh, by the Palms uh, at the ha- well uh, against Pakistan to put a nice little bow around what was an incredible T20 World Cup. Uh, in the WBBL, the Brisbane Heat have had a two-run win over the Adelaide Strikers, uh, courtesy of the Duckworth-Lewis-Stern method uh, at Karen Rolton Oval in Adelaide. Um, strikers all out for 115, six for 114, uh, in the end, for the strike, uh, I reckon that scores around the wrong way. Um, no, that's the right score. It's just with the Duckworth Lewis Stern method. Uh, it is a, as I hit refresh, it is a two-run win for the Brisbane Heat women. Um, Josh Carter's with us this evening. A couple of uh, weeks out from the draft, Josh, and I'd be curious to go down memory lane with you what your experience was getting drafted. Before the break, I... We spoke about um, when it comes to the fact that now with Essendon, with Dean Rioli and maybe Jody Sizer at Collingwood, and, and I know, I think there are maybe a couple of other clubs, and I'll, we'll, we'll look into that a bit more deeply, but if you're a young player or a young Indigenous player and thinking, well, where would I really like to end up where I would feel like there would be the best support network and, you know, system in place, whether it be, you know, Sean Burgoyne at Port Adelaide now or the fact that Eddie Betts is down at Geelong, where do I feel like it would be the best place for me to land? And I asked you about that the club's got a lot of questions and I'd imagine you got asked a ton of them before you were drafted and we might even get you to give us some of the weirder ones. <laughs> but is there an opportunity, was there then and would you like to see now, and I wonder whether it exists now, where the clubs actually put it back to the player and say, what questions do you have of us? What requirements are you getting? Now, there'll be some that'll say, you just be bloody lucky to be there and that's, yep, all well and good. But I wonder, do we get the opportunity or do young players get the opportunity to say, well, here's what I would sort of like in a, in a football club. Here's what I would need to succeed. Oh, look, mate, I'll paint a quick picture for you. I didn't get any of that, so I wasn't <laughs> asked any questions, wasn't given any opportunity to ask questions. It was more, I had no idea I was getting drafted for the start of it because uh, I was finishing up my, I was graduating actually, so it was my last year of high school. Yep. I'd planned uh, a trip for schoolies or leavers to go to Rottnest Island for a few weeks with my mates after school. Mm-hmm. Uh, saved up a lot of money, worked in IGA, stacking shelves, uh, the good yes. old days. And, uh, yeah, saved up some money to pay for my trip and didn't even get to enjoy that because I uh, got a phone call to say that you're going to be moving to Melbourne. And uh, I actually didn't find out about the draft because being two hours behind or three hours behind in Melbourne, uh, from Melbourne time to Perth, it was uh, the time delay was different. So I was still in bed. Do, and, was uh, it not televised? 
It was televised, but I did not. You weren't watching because you weren't. I had no interest. Didn't think that you were going to be. Did not think I'd get drafted. So uh, had you had you had meetings with clubs? I had a few meetings with uh, with North Melbourne. Yeah, Uh, I think it was Hawthorne and and the Bulldogs. They called me. Yep. But other than that, not much else. So and what did they want to know? My mindset was I didn't think I was going to get drafted. Yeah. And uh, actually, I was told that you're not going to get you're not going to be drafting because you're going to be uh, too skinny to play AFL. You're going to get snapped by grown men playing in that league. <laughs> that was what I was told. And, uh, yeah, that kind of motivated me to play against that team. I won't mention who they are, but uh, it, it was my motivation. So every, team, every time I played against them, I made it my... Well, you might. Did the people that say that to you? Are they still at the club now? Or? Oh, I have no idea, to be honest. <laughs> well, check that out because yeah, next time you're in, out. I want to know exactly who that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so. So, how did you find out that your name had been called out? Well, everybody else in the family actually found out. So, I woke up. My cousin jumped below me. So, this was Ashley Sampy at the time. He was at the West Coast. He was on the list. Yeah. And um, he was cooking up the barbecue in the morning for for everybody, and the family were celebrating. Yeah. I'm still fast asleep in bed. And then I get a phone call from Rocket saying, oh, you know, you're, come, you're coming to Bulldogs, you've just been drafted. And I thought it was a prank call. So I said, uh, <laughs> no, it isn't. You know, I, I hung up on him because I was still Thank half asleep. Thank you for asleep. censoring yeah, that so too, by the way. Thanks for uh, joking with me. And, uh, yeah, I kind of took it as a prank and hung up on him. And everybody else is celebrating. And they said, oh, you, you're going to the Bulldogs. And it took me about five hours to actually process it. And, and, really? And it hit me. And, yeah, everybody was congratulating me, ring, ringing me up with the family, everything. So, yeah, at that point, all the uh, excitement about going to schoolies was out the door because mm. it was the fact that was, is this real? You know, it kind of it was a shock moment for me to realise I was actually living the dream of being drafted and going and playing in an AFL club. And uh, yeah, even more intimidating coming into an environment where you've got Luke Darcy, Chris Grant, uh, Ackermanis, Brad Johnson, um, yeah, big name players that you've grown up watching, and then uh, you're this skinny Aboriginal kid going and trying to trying to fit in and earn the respect of the players. Yeah. So, and, and, and this is not to, we're not um, having a crack at the Bulldogs here, but what was in place for the draftees in terms of a support structure at, at the time? Because I'd imagine what was happening there was probably happening and the way it happened was probably the way it happened at every club. Yep. So what, what, how were you looked after in, in those, in, in those first, in that first year? So we did have player development officers. Yep. Um, there's a fellow who actually just retired not long ago. He just left the Bulldogs. Uh, I'll get his name back. It's, it's in sure. my head. But, uh, yeah, so they had player development officers that looked after players' welfare and yep. all that. And it was kind of interesting for me because I, coming over from Perth, I got put into a um, host parent's house. So they were uh, football club's members, so yep. long-time members that take in young players and, and kind of catered to them, look after them, give them a house. And my host parents, believe it or not, were vegans. So, and I loved my meat. So, <laughs> and, and they actually owned a chain of IGA stores. So I was kind of going home to training, from training to home to an empty house, and having no one to talk to, a, house, a fridge full of vegetables and, and fruits. <laughs> yeah, probably the healthiest I've ever been. But I actually had to put on weight. At yeah, the time I was going to say you were told that you were too skinny. Um, yeah. What so, was your weight when you got drafted? Seventy-two. Seventy-two. I was a stick figure. Yes. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, I was probably the only player on the list to get told to go and eat junk food just to put some weight really? on. Really? I had that high of a metabolism that I was burning fat as I was putting putting on weight. So, yeah, yeah it was it was kind of tough for the first two years, but eventually put on a bit of weight and, uh, yeah, still... So that's that's one of the that's one of the interesting unique draft stories that yep. you were told to go eat junk food. Yep. Josh Hunt was told that he wasn't allowed to go in the gym when he, the, the year he arrived at Geelong. Because he was already like as built as the, as the big brick, as yeah. yeah. Yep. 
So he was told, no, no, no gym for you. <laughs> Go and run. Well, I wish I got told that, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So, and in those early days, um, how, how big a hand does the club have in your day-to-day life? Well, it was basically at that point you'd sign a contract, 100% of your commitment is to the club. Yep. So you could be out for dinner with your partner or with family members and as soon as you get a text message say there's an urgent message or a meeting at the yep. club, you've got to drop everything and get back there. Right. And that was the way it was. We were all given uh, schedules, timesheets to what the week would look like and you've got to run by that. And uh, there were tough times but if anything it, it helped me to – become a stronger mindset player and, and a leader in my own way because of the challenges I was given. Yeah. But it helped me to be a bit more easier with uh, with time management because I was late to a meeting one time, five minutes late, and Rocket gave me a rocket, obviously, as he does, mm. and made me do a boxing session in St Kilda for a week and uh, at 6 a.m. and then joined the rest of the team to top up with the rest of the training. So uh, I learned pretty quickly not to be late to a meeting after that, that's for sure. Um, it, was it Will Minson areas? Or it was, was that... Will Minson areas. And oh, I wow. I think I copped most of the spray for Will. So uh, I, was, <laughs> I was actually, there was three whipping boys. It was Will Minson, Brian Lake and myself. So, yeah. <laughs> I copped most of it because I picked the worst sick to, to choose in the meeting room and that was right in front of Brian Lake. Yeah. Well, Brian Harris back in those <laughs> yeah. days. Yes. Um, did you ever feel, because um, in, in normal working life, like if, if I need to take time off, there's annual leave and there's um, sick leave and there's things like that. Yep. In, the, in that day, and you were drafted in 07, was, was there that kind of facility that if you had to go and do something away, if you needed time away, that it was able, you were possibly able to take time away? Because as you said, your, your commitment is 100% to the football club and everything else falls by the wayside. Yeah, look, it, it, I'll be honest, at that time in my, well, starting off at the club, I was kind of too scared to be sick because I, I was like, it was like you were, you were taking a step back in terms of right. earning the respect of your coaches and your players because you want to work to drive to get noticed by the coaches, but also every training session. For the like, right reasons, yeah. yeah. Every, every training session is like a moment where you prove to your teammates that you deserve to be out there. So if you get sick or you've got to go away for personal reasons, that's like uh, a huge step backwards, you know, in terms of really? losing that respect of your players. That was just my mindset. Whereas now these days you, you can speak more freely, more open about your personal yeah. sort of things. But back then I was too intimidated because of the people around me and, and the way Rocket went about his business, which is good because it helped me, challenge me more to become a, a stronger mindset player. So... With that in mind, then if you were if if you were, could be in a room right now with a potential draftee, but also with the people at the club that are going to draft that person, and whether or not it's just a, a young if it's a young player, a young Indigenous player, mm. what would your advice be to the draftee, and what's your advice to the club when well, it comes to because you, you've got yep. this you've got this mm. you know infant career in your hand. Yep. Look, first thing for the player is focus on education. That's the first thing, is make sure you graduate, uh, put your school first, focus on sports second. And then after that, the questions obviously be asked for, from players to, to the football club is what can you do in terms of supporting me off-field? And as I touched on before, is that if you can support a player's mindset off-field away yep. from the club, you're going to get the best results on-field. Mm. And the same question will be from the, the club to the players. You know, what can we do to cater for you in terms of getting the right um, 
benefits out of you as a player and what do we what can we do to support you mentally and physically in a way because a lot of players they get obviously assessed on their injuries or previous issues with their bodies so that's that's a huge one as well is is body um where they're at physically but also mentally is the, the the main one is that if a player loses that mindset and doesn't want to be there that's where you see players go off the rails they they tend to to fall away and and not tend to love the game as much as they used to so you tied yourself up in not thinking that you you shouldn't and couldn't yep. say anything yes at any time at any Don't, time just just intimidation just took over everything i was yeah. too scared and too worried about if i missed a training session if i missed a meeting that's my moment of being dropped and once because it was it was like that and it still is like that that you've got 43 players on a list 22 get selected each week if you have a bad game or you have a bad training session a young player's busting his ass off at training sessions trying to prove himself to the coaches mm. to the players that he deserves to be in that spot and that's the way i saw it is that if i was if i made it in the team that was the easy part the hard part is staying in, in the side and that's the way i think it should be looked at these days you've got all these players now that have so much talent, so much potential, but there are also young players that just have so much potential as well that are fighting for that selection on, on the team. So for the young player, be conscious of not feel you know, don't mm-hmm. don't allow yourself to be in a space where you don't feel like you can speak ever. Oh, you've got to be vocal. Yeah. Yep. Speak up if you're not feeling a hundred percent and if it's not if you're not feeling comfortable and if you if you if it's not quite, you know, mm making sense to you or and then for the clubs be aware that that could be the player's experience that's yeah. happening right in front of you um it's good advice yeah. from both sides i actually remember uh, adam simpson said about me once uh, a game that i play better when i'm on edge which is right because if i'm feeling challenged you get the best performance out of me mm. and for this day you know young players you, you should never feel on edge you should go out there playing with the, the healthiest mindset to know that you're, yeah. you're playing for your team you know you play your role do the team things first and you're going to get the best results and you, you'll get the win. Whereas every individual shouldn't go out there playing on edge thinking mm. that I'm, I'm playing for my spot on the game, on, it, on the team. It's probably an area that the game's really improved, hasn't it? Because the embracing of the role player, like yeah. the role player is now so celebrated internally yep. um, and probably for a lot of clubs has been for a while, but, but it is now common mm. in the vernacular that the role player is as popular with the fan as it is with the, the footballing yeah. um, inner circle. Because they they do all the things that they're required and and those harder things the one percent things the the chase down tackle things they've become those things have become as celebrated as a hanger or a banana from the boundary you know if you can like he's sure smother he laughs it off yeah. going oh, geez, I can't believe I'm known for a smother <laughs> but that moment for mm. Collingwood fans yeah. is like worshipped mm. so um, it's great of us hey mate it's been great to to catch up with you again we'll do it all again very soon uh, appreciate you coming in. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.